You're listening to Strong Runner Chick Radio, episode 44. Welcome to Strong Runner Chick Radio, a leading online community where our goal is to educate, empower, and connect female distance runners across the world. We believe in healthy running, fueling, and embracing our strength as female distance runners inside and out. Through interviews with top professional, collegiate, and master's level runners, leading dietitians, coaches, sports psychologists, and runners of all shapes and sizes, we hope to spread the message that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to distance running. Now, let's get to the show. Hey, Strong Runner Chicks. Welcome back to another episode of Strong Runner Chick Radio. Today we have with us Alexis Fairbanks from the Lane 9 Project, who we are so excited to chat with. Alexis is a teacher and run coach. She has a strong passion for health and received her master's degree in health promotion management from American University. Alexis was a collegiate runner and continues to chase big goals at the half marathon and marathon distances. Her perfect day is a morning run, followed by plenty of coffee and cuddles from her giant lap dog, Troy, which that sounds like a perfect day to me. <laughs> Alexis, oh, thanks for being on today. We're super excited to chat with you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so I think your perfect, your perfect day sounds amazing and actually it works really well because Megan's dog sitting right now. So she gets lots of cuddles yeah. as well. Oh my gosh. That's the best. That's the best. <laughs> what, what kind of, of dog? Uh, Megan, we, we always just ask the same question. Same question. <laughs> um, we think he's an Anatolian shepherd. He's a rescue and they told us he's a lab mix, but he's definitely not a lab mix. <laughs> so he's 90 pounds and thinks he's like a little lap dog. Oh, oh my gosh. I just had to Google what Anatolian Shepherd looks like. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. We <clears throat> think he's pretty cute. Oh, yeah. I he would might say be biased, so. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Alexis, how did you get your start in running? Um, I got my start in running pretty early. I... My mom had an in-home daycare, and one of the kids she babysat uh, was the the son of my elementary school PE teacher. So we were pretty close with her as a family, and when I was in, like, maybe fourth grade, we were in the mile, and I ran, like, a seven-something, which for fourth grade was pretty quick, and my PE teacher at the time was also the track coach at our high school. and so in fourth grade or whatever it was, she encouraged me to start running once I got to middle school. And so I started running uh, track in seventh grade and cross country in eighth grade. And then I actually got to ninth grade when she would be my coach and she stopped coaching. So that was really sad, but I ended up with a really awesome coach in high school and then kept going since then. Um, did you run in, run in college at all? Yeah, I kept running in college, so I ran all four years in, um, of cross-country and track in high school. I didn't have indoor, and then did all three seasons through college. Gotcha. Um, uh -huh. And you said, um, what was it, American University? Is that where you went? 
That's where I went to grad school. I went to undergrad at SUNY Cortland, which is a state school in New York. Okay. What did you study there? Education. Education. Okay. And that's what you're in now, correct? Yeah. I've been teaching for four years now. What do you teach? I taught third grade my first three years, and this past year I taught third grade. Wait, did I say third grade both times? Yeah. Kindergarten. (laughs) Kindergarten the first three years, third grade this Uh past year. Um, what's your favorite part about it? The kids are just fun. It's a lot of hard work, but the kids are really mm-hmm. fun. And I, I enjoy like being goofy with them and hearing their silly jokes is always a, a highlight of my day. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. I don't know if Meg or even you, Alexis had like a special, um, teacher when you were younger. Like I can remember my kindergarten teacher was, the most special woman ever. Like she would make the leprechauns come and we would have really special things that she did that just made learning so much fun and like Mm -hmm. blossomed creativity in in youth. I think it's such a a powerful thing to have people like that. Yeah. I actually had a really similar experience when I was in third grade. My third grade teacher was just amazing and she transformed our classroom into a rainforest. And we did this whole like rainforest research project. So this year, since I was teaching third grade, I was like, I have to do this. And so at the end of the school year, when we were done with all of our testing and like the Mm -hmm. things we had to teach, Mm -hmm. I like went and made this whole rainforest unit and they all got to research an animal and it was so much fun. That is so cool. cool. Yeah. I love hearing about how creative teachers can be. My mom's a fourth grade teacher. So I get to learn about that too. Yeah. You had mentioned too, your mom was a teacher, right? So growing up. Yeah, kind of. She did a daycare in our home and then um, she actually owns a karate studio now. So she teaches just in a different way. (laughs) Oh, that's really cool. Did you, um, was karate part of your youth growing up at all? Because I know she did it now. It does it now, but did she do it prior as well? Yeah, so she actually owned an aerobics studio when I was in um, elementary school, and she wanted to create more self-defense classes for women, and so she started taking karate, and within like a year, she sold the aerobics studio and started working full-time where um, she was taking karate, and so when I was 10, I also started training and trained pretty seriously, usually like four nights a week after like track practice all the way through high school. That's amazing. Oh, my goodness. That's really cool. I contribute that a lot to the fact, like, that's, I think, a lot of the reason that I didn't ever really get injured running in high school either, because it was really good cross-training, like, strength and flexibility. Oh, I bet. That makes sense, though, when you think about it. I don't know much about karate, but seeing people perform it, I feel like they're practicing. I'm not sure the right word there. I I Mm -hmm. just feel as though it's so there's so much discipline and strength that goes into yeah. it. I can really only imagine what it's like. Yeah, absolutely. And it's empowering too. Yes. I think that's super cool how much, I mean, I don't take part in karate either, but I can mm-hmm. imagine it's really empowering to take part in. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely, I was not confident at all when I was really young in, in elementary school. I had these really huge classes. Um, mm-hmm. So I was very self-conscious. I was always very shy and quiet. My parents would always make fun of me if we're at like an amusement park or something and we were waiting in line. I would just be like, go ahead of me, go ahead of me. It's okay. And so it was very passive and karate did a lot for me to gain confidence and 
be able to kind of stick up for myself and, um, you know, know my place and be able to speak up. And yeah, so it's very helpful and impactful in my life. And you're certainly still empowering women in the work you do today. Yeah, that's the goal. (laughs) So um, when and how did Lane 9 begin? I always love hearing about how this came to fruition. Yeah, I was in grad school at American, and I had a nutrition class, and I had an assignment that I had to interview a registered dietitian. Um, And so I just kind of like Googled (laughs) registered dietitians in the area, and I found Heather Kaplan's bio. And the picture next to the bio was for running the Marine Corps Marathon. And so I was like, yep, that's the one I'm going to interview. I'm going to get in touch with her. And so we did this little interview. I had questions I had to ask her. And afterward, we were just chatting about running in life. And somehow it came up that we both had this similar experience with running and disordered eating. And she had another friend, Sam, that she had been running with a lot and having similar conversations. And through that, she connected Sam and I, and the three of us went for a run together in, I think it was like December of 2015. Um, And so that's kind of where the idea was born. The three of us just really wanted to do something um, and bring light to this issue. And so a few months later in February of 2016, I believe, or what is it now? 18? So February 2017. So we met in 2016 in the fall and then February of 2017 is when lane nine was officially launched. So for those who are listening, would you actually describe what lane nine is? Because some people may not have an understanding of what it does or, you know, the mission behind it and such like that. Yeah. So what Lean 9 is, is we're a community of women who aim to educate and empower other women about the female athlete triad and disordered eating among female athletes. Uh, We focus mostly on runners. That wasn't necessarily the goal we'd like to expand beyond just runners, but since the three of us ourselves are runners, it's kind of where our, our knowledge lies Um, but we share stories of other women who have battled disordered eating or chronic injuries amenorrhea which is menstrual dysfunction Um, we connect women via our virtual community on Facebook we have a newsletter and we've had some um, in-person events like we've had a few group runs and then we've had a share your story event where we actually gave women sort of a stage, like a Ted talk type of thing to be able to share their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, now you mentioned um, a little bit ago uh, your experience with an eating disorder and running. Um, and if you feel comfortable, would you mind sharing a little bit about that and why you felt the need to start lane nine Um, as a basis, you know, for your connection with Heather and how you both were able maybe to relate to one another through that experience? Yeah, I had never really talked about it before I met Heather, and I really hadn't labeled it as an eating disorder. I didn't really think that what I had gone through and what I was at the time continuing to work through and recover from was legitimate an eating disorder. Looking back now, I know that it was. Um, 
So it started really like subtly in high school where I would skip meals or things like that. And I thought it was very normal because unfortunately it's so common um, among, you know, high school girls. And then when I got to college, I wasn't running as well. And obviously college is a time for a lot of changes. And I had really big goals on the track. And um, my coach had really high expectations for me. And I've always been somebody who's wanted to do really well and perform really well and um, please other people. So I had all of these perfectionist tendencies. And so things weren't going well on the track. And so there was a natural translation in my mind to, oh, it must be because I'm not thin enough. And so then I started restricting more and exercising more and really went down this path that eventually became full-blown disordered eating. Um, and then when I was a sophomore, I ended up with my first stress fracture. Mm-hmm. Um, so spring of my sophomore year, I had a stress fracture. And that took a long time, of course, to come back from. And then my junior and senior year was just kind of the same behaviors. And my times just got slower. And I was just very unhappy and not in a good place and ended up with a second stress fracture actually right mm-hmm. after I graduated. So my four years of college were definitely a tough time. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and during that time, was there anything that did help um, that helped you or that you wish you would have had? I wouldn't really say there was anything that helped me during the time, which is the reason that I was kind of struggling for so long. Um, But I absolutely think if I had anybody around me who was just talking about it, that I knew anyone else was going through the same thing, or I knew what resources I had access to, it would have completely changed a whole lot of things. I mean, I wasn't getting a period. um, And there was never any indication from anybody in my life that that wasn't normal. And that's a huge common misconception among female athletes, specifically distance runners, that it's normal to not get your period. Um, and as you both know, it's, it's common, but it's not healthy. It's really a huge red flag. Um, so I think just if there was somebody, you know, educating me on that and having that conversation and I look back and I really wish you know I thought to start that conversation because when I started lane nine I think I had four of my former college teammates within a week reach out to me and and be like wow I was dealing with the exact same thing Um, so I think conversation is so powerful Mm -hmm. um and now, lane nine obviously centers quite a bit around disordered eating and eating disorders, mental health, and body image. Um, it seems as though, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe from your experience, this is why you've developed a passion in these topics. Um, and if so, or if if not, like why why did you decide, or what was what is your passion behind helping others through this? Yeah, no, my passion definitely comes from my own experience. Um, obviously, I've always, I've always wanted to be a teacher, and so I think that kind of correlates with that 
passion, that just drive I've always had to help others. And um, I've always really been interested in health. Um, so I actually went and got my degree in health promotion. And when I started that program, I pictured being like a health coach and helping people reach their fitness goals or something like that. And um, a lot of my program focused on weight loss programs and those types of things that now I'm, I don't want to do at all and have a strong moral um, stance against things like weight loss challenges and programs like that that I learned a lot about. Um, so it's interesting because there was always a part of me that wanted to do something in the health and fitness related field um, mm -hmm. and help people in that way. But the way that I'm doing it now is like a 360 or well, a 180, not a 360, <laughs> a 180 from what I thought I would be doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if you guys agree with this or maybe it's just me, but isn't it so frustrating the amount of times people want to be like a health coach or something along those lines and it's all geared towards losing weight? Like, yeah, isn't that yeah. ridiculous? Like, not, I shouldn't say ridiculous because there are some people who may benefit from, you know, losing weight or whatever, you know, the goal yeah. is. But I feel like when you think about health, like there's so many other aspects that come to play that, yeah. you know, the focus on health coaching really needs to be towards an individual and not towards a general generality, generality. I don't know the right word there, but, um, I mean, Megan, even what you you're studying currently, I mean, you could maybe speak to this, like, what do you see in terms of, you know, helping people achieve their achieve success in, in this health world? Oh, I feel like it's so tricky to navigate because mm -hmm. people are individuals. And I think for some people, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's really tough. Cause I'm speaking to a totally different camp. Right. Like not that, I mean, I don't, I don't believe in the whole weight loss thing, but I think that, you know, as a personal trainer, I've worked with people who are medically, you mm -hmm. know, by their doctor, their doctors told them, you know, you need to lose weight for your health to get your mm -hmm. blood pressure down. And so things like that, it's really challenging because I don't want to ever steer someone down the wrong right. path. So mm -hmm. it, you're just kind of working to, I mean, all I can do is help, help give them the tools to, you know, that's so hard to say to, I, yeah, I, I try to just keep the two separate, like strong mm -hmm. runner chicks and my work as a trainer, because there are some conversations that are, I'm, yeah, you just kind of work on, <laughs> no. I don't even, that's no, it's a tricky that, topic. You know yeah. what I mean though? I mean, yeah. some people literally are medically obese and they're working on a weight loss goal and I'm not going to tell them this is bad. You can't, because I think if you approach it from that end, it's tricky too. Um, like if I told them that they would go see someone else that's going right. to help them reach that goal. Right. So you have to kind of almost like help them see that it's, it's not about weight loss, right? It's mm -hmm. about so much more. How can I help them see that, but not flat out tell them, you know, Oh, you're wrong. Right. Cause mm -hmm. we can't say that. Yeah. Uh, say that. Yeah, so, kind of yeah. helping them understand like what are the underlying reasons that you're here rather than just this goal of weight loss. I think that's so important. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. you're seeing a personal trainer or a health coach, whatever it is, and you say, Oh, I want to lose X number of pounds. It's like, but why? 
what's yeah. the real reason? The is it because you want to be able to move better and keep up with your kids? Because that's great. And that's a great goal that doesn't necessarily need to equate to any number on the scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then some people just don't understand either. They're like, I've never had a problem with, you know, disordered eating or food. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they don't see how that could ever lead to mm-hmm. something else. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. yeah. Yeah. I think that's a tricky territory. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Megan, because I can imagine that, you know, any clients that you do have who are going through something like that are lucky to have you because you have a more well-rounded view of health in general. Whereas, you know, going to see someone else who like automatically is like, all right, you need to do all this stuff to lose weight. You know, I think it's, it's a different mentality as you put it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think success isn't defined on the scale. And I I do hear other trainers who brag about that. My client wants, you know, X percentage of this and all numbers focused, right? And all right. outcomes and that's and it's like but how is their mental health? Where, yeah. like are they happy? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or like how do they feel? Like I to yeah. me that's a big thing. Like how do they feel like going about their day? I, I just I don't know. I think it's really powerful when yeah. you ask someone that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I agree. Yeah. So, um, Alexis, do you ever find, I guess, going back, jumping back really quickly to what, I think Megan might've just said this. Um, do you ever find that like when you speak to individuals who don't understand a lot about eating disorders or, you know, haven't been through the experience that they say, you know, well, I don't understand why someone just can't eat or I don't understand why, you know, they binge or like stuff like that. And how do you combat those um, comments? Yeah, I was actually at a friend's birthday party once um, and he had seen like lane nine or something on social media and was kind of trying to ask me about it. He's like, so you're like trying to teach people about eating disorders and like runners and athletes. And I was like, yeah. And he couldn't wrap his head around why an athlete would want to have an eating disorder because he thought that was very contradictory. An athlete, somebody who needs to be strong and powerful, like why would they want to have an eating disorder that's going to cause all these problems? And I was like, well, that's the whole point. Nobody wants to have an eating disorder. Nobody chooses to have an eating disorder. It's a mental illness that requires treatment and um, there are all these things that can be done about it and all these things that can be done to prevent it. Um, But it was just really interesting because I've never had a situation where somebody was so um, like uninformed or misinformed Mm -hmm. about eating disorders. Um, And so, I mean, in that particular situation, there was no getting through to the person. He just Mm -hmm. totally in his mind, it was something people chose to do. Um, But I find overall, when I talk to people, um, sharing my own story and that emotion that comes with my own story and what I went through um, tends to resonate with people and they get this sense and this understanding of the battle that it really is internally, especially if you're somebody like I was who didn't necessarily look like I had an eating disorder ever um, because I think also that's another misconception is so many people think that you just have to be super rail thin. Um, and so it can be really confusing when you meet somebody who has an eating disorder and is 
not severely underweight. Um, and so I think really telling people the details of the things that I would do and the things that I went through um, helped them to get a better picture and a better understanding of what an eating disorder really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I can imagine it's not easy, you know, to tell people your story. Um, uh, and I think it comes back to what you said earlier about education and, you know, the lack thereof and, you know, the lack of uh, uh, conversation that's had around this topic mm -hmm. either because it's taboo or people don't feel comfortable about it or it's not seen as a mental illness, which it is. I mean, I think there are so many reasons why what you're doing with Lane 9 is so powerful because it is bringing these topics forward to be talked about. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's just so, like you said, it's so taboo and there's such a stigma around it. People don't want to talk about it. It's kind of one of those things that's been viewed as like dirty and secretive for so mm -hmm. long and it's been portrayed that way in the media and like Lifetime movies for so long right. <laughs> that people just have this totally warped idea of what it is. Mm -hmm. I know. It's so interesting. I had hope. I never saw... I, uh, I think it was last year there was that Netflix movie about mm -hmm. some, I never watched it because I didn't know whether to watch it or not. And um, it was just another though. It, it looks like I literally only saw the title and then like the picture of the movie and it looked like another stereotypical portrayal of an eating disorder. And it was kind of like, I was a little bit disappointed um, just by looking at it. I, like I said, I didn't watch it, so I can't you know speak to it, but, I don't know. It was kind of one of those, like, tricky things yeah. again, you know? No, I did watch it, and your, um, your, what you're guessing about it is very accurate, I would okay. say. And it's, yeah, it's a very stereotypical eating disorder portrayal. Um, and it also, I would not recommend anybody struggling with an eating disorder to watch it because mm -hmm. it can be very – there were some parts in it that were very triggering. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was unfortunate because I agree that it it could have been a great opportunity to yeah. show yeah. another side of it and help people to understand a little more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know. Well, maybe Alexis, your next thing will be make a movie that's more. Yeah, put <laughs> that on a to do list. <laughs> yeah. Um. So in moving forward, um, as we kind of speak a little bit about education. What tips or resources do you have for those who want to learn more about eating disorders or maybe someone who's recovering and, you know, just wants to get a little more help before, you know, jumping into treatment or however, you know, you want to approach this topic? Just any more resources or tips you may have? Yeah, well, obviously the National Eating Disorder Association is a great resource. Um, so just, I think it's National Eating Disorder Association nationaleatingdisorders.org. Um, they actually have a bunch of resources on a variety of topics. And one of the resources they, that they have um, is a toolkit for athletes. Um, so there's some more specific information and resources for athletes. Um, so that's a great resource. Obviously, would throw Lane 9 in there. Um, I think our virtual community, which is just a Facebook group, um, has been really great because it's a 
safe, open space that you can come and you can ask questions. And um, Heather Kaplan, one of my co-founders, is a registered dietitian. Um, so it's just it's nice to have her on there, kind of monitoring what's going on, what's being said, um, and then obviously just looking in your own area, depending on where you are, to see what resources your area has, what eating disorder clinics are there, what eating disorder or non-diet dietitians are in your area. Um, and, you know, NIDA is a good place that you can use to find um, providers. That's great. I was going to ask you where people should look for providers because sometimes, you know, you see like a list of RDs and you're like, oh, but do they actually specialize in what I want? So I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. <clears throat> yeah, and then there's um, there's another there's there's a handful of good nonprofits. Eating disorders hope is another one um, that people can look at, and then Project Teal as well. And I, one of them is the one that kind of helped with that not so great movie. Um, but those oh. are also <laughs> those are also good um, tools. And the um, NIDA actually, if you go to the NIDA website and you go to the help and support tab, they also have an eating disorder screening tool, um, which is just kind of an interesting and helpful tool, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit about the challenges that come up when discussing eating disorders. What has been the most challenging part of Lane 9? Um. I think, of course, in the beginning for the three of us, it was just challenging to share our own stories uh, because we hadn't really before and we didn't know. I mean, when we launched Lane 9, we had really no idea what we were doing. Um, we just decided to write our stories down and put them out there. And so we had no idea what kind of feedback we were going to receive. It got a lot easier when we immediately got an overwhelmingly positive response um, and had so many women reaching out to us right away about their own experiences and wanting to get involved and asking questions. Um, it's still a tr tricky topic when sometimes we'll have somebody, especially some younger athletes, maybe in like middle school or high school, reach out to us kind of asking for help. Um, and there's definitely a line between what we're doing and then an actual medical professional. So Heather is a registered dietitian, but she's only able to obviously treat her own patients. And so if somebody is not her patient, she's not going to be giving um, any specific advice or treatment plans. And then Sam and I are both in different fields. So it can get tricky when people want kind of individualized help. Um, and so that's when we need to help them find somebody who's a medical professional or a dietitian in their area. But that's definitely, I think, the most difficult part. Yeah. Um, and on the other hand, what's been the most rewarding aspect for you? Um, just the messages that we get that people just say thank you. Um, it's really cool when we get, you know, an email in response to our newsletter or something and somebody's just saying, like, thank you. This is what I needed today. Um, so that's really neat. Today I actually had a situation where 
somebody in a group that I'm in for another podcast on Facebook asked a question about running in amenorrhea. Um, and so I was able to kind of give her some insight and give her some resources. And a few minutes later, she sent me a really sweet, long message on Facebook, just thanking me for, for providing that information. And so that's anytime we reach somebody like that, it's just like such a win. <laughs> mm-hmm. I bet Megan, you can probably speak to that too with strong runner checks, you know, getting emails and such like that about, um, you know, I've looked at some of the DMs that we've gotten on Instagram and some of those are pretty powerful too. Yeah, Yeah, I definitely agree. It is um, great to hear from people about that. So um, we love learning about, obviously, our whole lives aren't, um, you have a whole lot going on outside of lane nine. Um, What does your life look like outside of your role at lane nine? Um, It looks really busy. Well, not right now, actually. Right now, it looks like a lot of sitting on the pool and reading because I'm on summer vacation um, since I am a teacher. But during the school year, you know, I send a lot of time at school and I spend a lot of time at home on the couch, lesson planning for school. Um, but you know, and I, I run every, I run six days a week typically unless there's, you know, something going on and I want to take an extra rest day, um, and get some extra rest day brags in there. Um, (laughs) I, so yeah, so my day to day just looks like going to work, walking the puppy, running. Um, I also like to, I mean, it is very lane nine related, but I love writing for lane nine. So that's something that I try to find time to do to write some blogs for either lane nine or for myself. Um, and then just reading and cuddling my puppy. So what are you currently reading by the pool now? Um, I'm reading the hypnotist's love story. I have heard such good things about that. Yeah, I've read, so it's by, um, Leanne, I think is her name, more something. Moretti or more, more, Moriarty or something. One of those. Yeah. The author of, um, Big Little Lies. Yeah. So I've read all of her other books. This is the only one so far I haven't read. They're just very good, like page turners, perfect pool reads. (laughs) That sounds really, really good. Um, And what are some of your favorite things you'd like to write for Lane 9? I mean, every, so much of it is obviously focused on eating disorders. So it's, it's usually I'll be like taking a shower and just come up with something that I like get really excited about and I'll just go sit down and like bang it out real quick and then go back later and add to it. Um, but I also love just for my own personal blog, I like writing about like my races and training. I think that's a lot of fun. Oh, I actually didn't know you had a blog. What's the name of your blog? Um, my website's just alexisfairbanks.com. Okay. So I'm not, I don't blog on there a ton since I put most of what I write on lane nine, but yeah, around like racing season, I like to, to write about my, yeah. my big races. Yeah, we haven't actually even really talked about your running too much. Um, what uh-huh. are some of your favorite distances to run? Well, I was an 800 runner in college, oh. um, and I'll probably oh. never race an 800 again. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm like fully on the marathon train these days, so fun. the half is really fun too, but um, it's funny because when I ran my first marathon, it was like a 
bucket list one and done kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I finished and I did not run a super impressive time and was like, I need to do that again because I need to do that faster. <laughs> and here we are nine marathons later. I keep oh. saying I need to do that faster. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, awesome. it's, it's fun. It's just like such a, it's very cool because you know, when I was, I ran the 800 for what, eight years, nine mm. years, something like that. And so it got to the point where I was constantly comparing myself to mm. the younger version of myself and the faster mm. version of myself. And the marathon is just this whole new animal and this whole mm. new monster. Um, and so it's really cool because there's really nothing to compare myself to. Right. And uh-huh. it really requires so much more, I think, of like an appreciation for your body and mm-hmm. what like the fact that even on your worst race ever, like you still went 26 miles and that's crazy. Um, mm. So that's really cool. That's what I, I find so fun about it. Yeah. And in your marathon training or when you're training, um, how do you show appreciation for your body? I think something in the past year since I started working with my coach is just really listening to my body and respecting it, I think does the most to really appreciate it. So if I'm feeling sick or I have a small little like injury um, that I just feel nagging, taking those extra rest days and um, making sure I'm getting enough sleep and making sure I'm feeling enough. Um, And at the same time, making sure I'm allowing myself to have fun and, and do the things that I want to do. I think that's the best way that I can show my body that appreciation. And um, what's your next race? New York. Oh, yay. Have you run it before? I have not, and I'm from New York, not the city, but okay. it still feels a little bit like a like a homecoming race. So oh, I'm super so excited! Cool. You're gonna love it. I ran it in twenty fifth, twenty six, twenty sixteen. Wait, twenty fifteen? Twenty fifteen, I think actually. Yes, twenty fifteen, and um, it's so much fun. Super high energy. The people are great. I'm so it's, I have goosebumps. You'll, you'll really like it. It's a lot of I'm fun. so, yeah, I'm really excited. I ran Chicago last fall. So this is my last major in, in the States that I need to get done. So are you cranking out the majors? I'm, I'm hoping to, I, cool. right now my plan is to run Boston a couple more times. Um, I want to run it five times before I'm 30. That's kind of like a okay, goal cool. I made. Uh-huh. And then I want to run London when I'm 30. So Amazing. Like, uh, yeah. Oh, so that's, that's cool right now. That will be so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Cool. Um, all right. So um, what – I guess moving back to lane nine really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you hope to take lane nine? Like where do you see um, – and maybe this is a question for like Heather and you and Sam and how, how you want to do that. But – where do you see lane nine going? And then maybe you can talk yeah. about after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, something we're working on right now is kind of getting back to what we anticipated our original mission being, which was actually connecting with coaches and athletes and parents and physicians and um, 
putting on events and putting on workshops and providing education to them. So that's actually something in the works right now. We've been talking to one of our local running stores who has connections with the, the high school coaches in the area so that we can do an event with um, coaches and we can do an event with athletes and just teaching both coaches and athletes about eating disorders and about the female athlete triad and what resources they are there are and where to look. And so hopefully in the future that's something we'll be doing on a wider scale and not just in um, the like DC, Virginia, Maryland area. Gotcha. Um, you know what else I could see being really powerful for you guys having a podcast where people can share yeah. their tor- story so that the communication is like more prevalent as the, like yeah. you were talking about earlier in our, in our podcast together. Yeah, that's definitely something we've talked about. That's one of those like future goals. Heather already has her own podcast. Mm-hmm. So oh, she, knows, she knows how to do it. So mm-hmm. that's definitely something that is, you know, in the back of our minds. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, I love her podcast. It's awesome. Yeah, she's great. Mm -hmm. Um, So what is, I mean, it sounds like you've got a lot of time right now to kind of enjoy life and be active and kind of do as you please. So what's currently making you thrive? Well, yeah, I mean, my puppy, uh, (laughs) he's the best. Um, I hang out with him all the time. Um, But yeah, it is. You know, I've had less time than you would think because I've been doing a little part-time work for um, my friend Kim who owns a, a, like an athleisure store called Summit to Soul. And oh, cool. He's super oh. cool. So I've been doing just a little bit of like marketing stuff for her, which has actually been so fun. So it's been nice. Sometimes with teaching, um, you don't get that like immediate satisfaction of, you know, completing something and getting it done and you're like I did that because it's just such a slow process of these kids making progress throughout Mm -hmm. a year Mm -hmm. so it's been really fun to be working on something that just I I can set out to do something and I get it done um so yeah that and just training I've been running with a couple of my friends a lot in the last couple of weeks since I'm able to kind of have a little bit more flexibility with my Mm -hmm. running schedule so I love that. That's always so much fun to get out there and and do a a run, especially a long run with some friends. Awesome. And any traveling plans? I know summer, I can remember growing up. So both my parents were teachers. So in the summer was a time where we would travel or for us, we were fortunate enough to have a house on Cape Cod. So go to our house on Cape Cod, but um, any traveling plans? Yes, on Tuesday, we're going to Costa Rica, my boyfriend and I. And oh my gosh. We're so excited. Yeah. Have I've you never been? been. Okay. No. Um, last summer, I actually was the first time I went abroad. Um, I went to mm-hmm. South Africa. Uh, oh. Yeah. So then I, I really got the like bug and I was like, we got to go somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> How fun. That's going to be quite the adventure. Yes. So um, our last couple questions are pretty consistent across the board. Um, Looking back in time, maybe to your college self, what advice would you give to your younger self? That's like such a loaded question. I feel like I would give myself 
so much advice. Um, Maybe that's a blog post. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's no, that's definitely what I've been thinking of, you know, the, the like letter to my younger self kind mm -hmm. of um, post. But yeah, I think um, a big thing is really, I wish I could have taught myself younger how to listen to my body and really um, be comfortable in listening to and respecting my body and um, rather than comparing it to those around me. Um, and also just not to let boys treat you like crap. <laughs> I think it's very important advice yeah. for high school and college girls. <laughs> yes. Mm, that's true. I feel like we need to have a podcast about that. Yeah. Good relationship <laughs> talk podcast. Yeah. 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 And not even fun. just, just like friends and, and just people in general, like mm -hmm. not, not getting pushed around. It's yeah. so easy, I think, as a young woman to feel like you need to fall into a certain mm -hmm. place. And uh -huh. it's really important to be confident yeah. and know who you are and know, know what you stand for, I guess. Yeah, I love that. I don't think we've ever had anybody say that on the podcast. And I'm <laughs> so happy you said it. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> um. So our final question is, what does being a strong rider chick or maybe even a lane nine chick mean to you? <laughs> I think, um, I mean, I think the name kind of conjures up a, a physical image, but, you know, knowing what you guys do and what we do at lane nine and, um, you know, knowing, hearing some of the women you've had on your podcast, I think it's so much more about just the passion. Um, and I think that applies to running and the passion that you have for running, but also just in life and the passion you have for everything that you do. And I think a strong runner chick kind of does everything that they care about with a lot of drive and a lot of passion. Mm -hmm. I love that word. Isn't passion such a great word? Yes. <laughs> One of my favorites. I, I can see that, Megan. I can see you living your life with passion. It's great. Maybe something's too much, but. No, <laughs> never. I don't ever think you can have too much passion. I really don't. I think it's one of those things. Go ahead, Alexis. Well, I think um, I, could, I could see how it could be too much. Because passion is for too many things. I'll say that. Okay. Right? Yeah, because like, you can definitely yeah. like run yourself dry. Fair mm -hmm. enough have all these little pockets of things you're really passionate about. Yeah. I, think I struggle with that a lot too, where I'm like, well, I want to do this and this. Uh, yeah. You want to do everything. There's just not enough time. At some point you need to sleep. <laughs> right. I was actually just talking to a coworker today about how we say yes to too many things because mm -hmm. we want to be involved in so much and yeah. help so many people. And then we yeah. forget to help ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because and teaching is definitely a profession yeah. that is like a huge problem. I mean, teachers, yes, teachers yeah. do a terrible job of taking care of ourselves, and that's mm -hmm. something I've had to work really hard at. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can imagine. My yeah. goodness. Well, um, I mean, I think re recognizing that passion that you have for teaching, and also, you know, finding how to balance that with you know your life goals. I just. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt you're going to do it just because of all you've yeah. done with lane nine and all you've done to change many lives. So I think, I think yeah. you're on a good path, Alexis. Oh, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
course. Yeah, thank you so much for being on, Alexis. This was a really awesome episode, and I'm so glad we got to chat with you as the the face or one of the faces behind Lane Nine because for having really me. support all that you're doing. Um, I know a lot of strong runner chicks are really um, involved as well in mm-hmm. Lane Nine. Hannah Meyer, especially, and Miranda Diviasso. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, well, and when we create our uh, Lane 9 podcast in the future, we'll have to have you guys. <laughs> oh, that. that would be great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, one last thing. If someone listening would like to connect with you, how can they do so? Yeah, um, I mentioned my website earlier, alexisfairbanks.com. And I'll um, link and that in the show notes. Yeah, and you can also connect with me through um, Lane 9, so lane9project.org. You can also email us at um, lane9project at gmail.com. Um, and then I'm also on Twitter and Instagram um, at Lexi Lynn. Sounds good. Hi. Yeah. Well, um, thanks again, Strong Runner Chicks, for tuning in to another episode of SRC Radio. We hope that you have a wonderful rest of your morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever Mm -hmm. you may find yourself. So thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Strong Runner Chicks Radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.